I am unashamed. What about you? So, yeah, we're super excited. I don't know when's the last time we had you on, but uh, we have Phyllis on, I don't know. sister. And uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Imagine. Maybe oh, last wait. Phil. Phyllis. Oh, okay. okay. Is this the first time that's dawning on you? <laughs> no. <laughs> so you got to remember, if I'm not quoting a scripture or doing a duck call seminar, pay very little attention to what I'm saying. Yes, we've a lot been, of people have made that correlation. We've been ignoring it for years, Phyllis. I was, our, I was our old buddy Macintosh who said that. He said, uh, I noticed something about you. I was like, what's that? He's like, if you're not quoting scripture or telling somebody how to blow a duck call, don't pay any attention to what you're saying. <laughs> and Mac listens to the podcast, so thank you, Macintosh. That was really good advice. I, I never, said, I hadn't heard that before. Ouch, <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> it was like it was like the time the preacher told me he's like, man, it must be nice to have, you know, all your family as the leadership at your church, so you get to work at that church your whole life. And I was like. Was that an insult? <laughs> are, are you saying I'm a product of nepotism? Is that well, what you're saying? They came to me one time a couple of years ago and said, "Now what? Now when are you gonna take a leadership role here?" I said, "Never." <laughs> Too many Robertsons around. I, I've been working at the church about seven years, maybe. And this little lady came up to me, and she said, uh, "Son, uh, when are you gonna get a job?" <laughs> I was like, well, I thought I had one. I was, I'm working for the church. And she said, no, I'm in a real job. <laughs> so whatever I was doing, she didn't uh, She didn't think that was, uh, you know, real work. So Yeah. Well, look, Al, I mean, uh, we were talking in the last podcast, Phyllis, about the roles of men and women in, you know, 1 Corinthians 11. And they had this idea of praying in their culture, I'm not sure what all the details were. I'm not even sure if we covered it. What what their customs? We didn't were. get into that, but that's but, interesting because there yeah. there were coverings, you know. But what's interesting, Jay, is we didn't get into this, but there were also coverings for men in Jewish culture. Yep. They had the shawls, and they well, exactly. you know they had a name for them. So, so there was a lot going on in terms of the shawls and the coverings and the all that. So we we dealt with it more at a macro level where it was people out of their role as a woman or a man. So yeah, what, what I was going to say, fast forward to our culture 2,000 years later, which we made the point that the important point was that are you embracing the role God has given you for existence here? And uh, But I, I preached a sermon at, at WFR one time, and this little old lady came up. She's like, wasn't a bad sermon. I was thinking, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> She said, but you're going to have a lot of explaining to do when you stand before God because you were wearing a hat while you were talking Uh indoors (laughs) while delivering the holy sacred scriptures. And I thought, oh, boy, you got some explaining to do. (laughs) I mean, that was like a a judgment seat conversation. I mean. And That's I'm how not strongly like, people feel about haircuts. And she felt well. strongly about it, but we made the point of I told her, I said, Well, here's the deal. If I hadn't had that hat on, I wouldn't have been able to read. Oh, the she, glare of the lights? 
or why? No, just because the hair's down in my face. If he oh. takes the hat off, oh. it's, it's quite it's the over. scene. Yeah, you're, it's I've seen it before. It's and so then they say, in all of that, in all of this, <laughs> okay, uh oh, provide. So don't worry, sustenance. Don't worry. Jesus Christ is talking the Savior of the world, who made us all man, man and woman. I'm not reading yet. I'm just giving this comment first. <laughs> so do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat? What shall we drink?" Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. What shall we wear? Jesus said, don't worry about that. The moral so, of the so, story is, so, Phil, you're what? definitely not a pagan. <laughs> That's good news. Fellas, <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to help so when you. when I say I don't worry about it, I really don't. <laughs> no, it's we got the that. clothes that I wear. Well, the, I'm quoting the words. You're not really, you're not really giving us new news, Dad. Well, <laughs> pretty much figured that well, out. I've I'm actually, just saying, in lieu of reading First Corinthians 11, you may, and that's why he ended up saying, "Look, don't be contentious about all this. Right. Look like if you're a man, look like one. Mm -hmm. If you're a woman, you should look like one and behave like one. There's a difference, a great. Well, I've actually used that because when people have confronted me over the way I look on an outward appearance. I've said, well, here's the positive. Look at my dad and my uncle. Could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> generation by generation, it's getting better. I've seen your boys. It's hey. like, like the time I was walking the airport and dad and Sal were ahead of me about 20 feet, you know, they, and I was, because I had gotten something to drink at Starbucks. So they were walking ahead, and as they walked by, and there was a, a woman and her daughter standing there. So by the time I got there, the daughter is commenting about the two of them, and she said, Mom, look at those poor men. <laughs> what, what do you think happened? <laughs> what happened? Well, no, and I got so Willie was drinking a cup of coffee, just paid $3 for her, and when they walked by, they dropped some money over in his coffee cup because they thought he was... But the coffee in it. Chase yeah, was there. No, that was... Uh, hey, we Willie's were... looking at the money down in his coffee, and he said... Because they felt sorry for him. He said, poor soul. There was Willie wow. there, mugged eye me. You know what we were doing? That was in New York. Yeah. We were actually uh, talking to a network about possibly doing a duck reality show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they said, yeah. And someone thought he was homeless, you know, on the way to well, the Well, because everybody's walking fast yeah. in New York. They see a cup out. They just got the visual and uh, saw the beard. Blop, blop. <laughs> At least people are still generous and giving and yeah. caring. That's yeah. good. Take it as a positive. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. like when Jace got uh, kicked out of the Trump. He came in, and we were all laughing. And it was well, like, the technical word was I was escorted, were escorted out, out nicely. So we were laughing about because we were like, "Well, look at yourself. Of course, somebody's going to escort you out. I mean, it's just a it's a wonder they even let you stay." Here. Well, that was the biggest thing is when the the Trumps were trying to make it right. They were like, "I mean, we're going to fire that guy, and we'll take care of that." I was like, "Well, don't fire him." No, I mean, he was doing it. If I saw myself. <laughs> In an establishment where it was pretty clear that I don't belong, well, he was—he did it so professionally yeah. and quietly, and I felt actually pretty good about the extraction. But you know, it's really funny because one night we were same hotel because this is where we usually stay. Uh, Stephen Tyler was in there, and he had—I'll never forget it because he told Dad, he said, "Yeah, I, I use your duck call," <laughs> which was. That was surreal Steven Tyler but he had a, he was he was wearing these weird looking pants and flip flops and he had a little small dog and a pizza <laughs> 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 and 
And so we were having this little mini conversation with Steven Tyler, and I was like, you know, this is just almost, it's, I, I don't take pictures much, but this is picture worthy here if I'd have had a picture. Sounds I looked like around it. and said, where's the cameras? <laughs> it, was a, it was a potential show. <laughs> so, Phyllis, you, uh, you haven't been on in a while. <clears throat> You've been mm-hmm. working, working hard, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but one of the things that tell us about. So I understand now you're an artist. So you're, you're, you're <laughs> wow. married to an artist, but now wow. you're dabbling. Are you dabbling? Into I'm dabbling. That? I thought, well, you know, when I'm off, the movies won't watch themselves, and there's always stuff to do. But eventually, <laughs> you know, I wanted to do something else, and I really don't have any hobbies to speak of. I guess um, well, hunting season. Now. Yeah, hunting season. I like to hunt, and I was doing that. Otherwise, Tony's painting all the time. So uh, I said, you know, I want to paint something. I just want to have canvas and some paints. And so he gave me some tutorials and some basic principles of art and showed me how to mix colors. And I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to paint something. So, so I were you started good painting. At listening to him about it? Did you, did you, cause you're not too good at like, uh, uh, so, you so, like so. to be in control. I, I told him how I was going to do some things. And he's like, no, like, <laughs> yeah. and then he's later, he's like, I'm just flabbergasted that you can, I, I've been doing this 40 years. I have a degree in it, a master's degree <laughs> in he's it. He's pretty good. He's very good. And he's like, you th- just think you're just going to approach this and do it the way you want to. And I'm like, yeah, that's how I'm, that's how I'm going to do it. So once more, she proves her Robertson DNA. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and art is subjective. It is. There's and been people who yeah. just took some paint and threw it up against the wall, about three different cans of it, and they said, amazing. <laughs> That's what some of wow. it looks like. Abstract art. So I would say that what I did was abstract, but I wanted to paint a cross. So I started painting this cross, and I started to kind Good of think about, you know, Isaiah 53 and what the cross represents and how Jesus bore shame, guilt, uh, sin, illness, and it's it kind of messy. So yeah. I, I, it's clearly the shape of a cross, and I put colors in it and lines and just messy, a little messy, and um, named it Isaiah fifty three. And Tony's like, I think it's great for abstract art. He put it on his website, mm-hmm. and we got a call um, or a me- and message. What is that website? <laughs> TonyThomasArt.com. There you go. Um, a little commercial. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. So interestingly, this Messianic Jew, a lady saw this, Isaiah 53, and that's an important scripture for them. Yeah. And she saw it and messaged Tony and said, I want to buy this this artwork. So I sold that cross, the you original. Sold, you sold your first art piece. I well, sold my first art piece this yeah. week. So it's that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So now Tony said, I'm going to put it on. So was Tony jealous that you saw your first He was thing? so excited. He loved it. No, <laughs> he good. loves the idea of it. weird is every time I've tried to get Missy, we just try to do something, something together outside of our kids or Jesus. It just doesn't work. It's not a happy ending. <laughs> we, have, we have fun. We've worked together a lot. We work yeah. together at a children's home in Natchez as house parents. We work together on the mission field. So we've actually done a lot of work yeah. together. Maybe I need some pointers, like the top three things to get you and your spouse to just do something together i guess especially when we have different personnel that may be why i'm a little bit more like you said a little more headstrong uh kind of do it my way kind of thing and tony's much more flexible peacemaker you know that's helpful (laughs) (laughs) give him the credit see you're behind the wheel of your car that means you don't that tells me you got control issues you got you you don't want anybody else driving well he drove all the way to Kansas uh, a couple of weeks ago when we went there and most of the way back. Uh, so really? that was, so yeah. You're, so you're loosening up a little I was bit. loose. And, and he was willing to, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Because the reason why most always 
is he doesn't get car sick, and I do. Right. And he can get his uh, the hotspot working on his laptop, and he can sit there and do work for hours in the car. And what can I do but DJ, work the radio, you know? It's genetic. Robertson's all, we all have that. So if I'm going to, if he's able to be productive, I can drive, at least have something to yeah. do, and he can work. That's usually the reason behind it. If I start trying to read or write in a car, I start getting queasy. Yeah, I do too. I mean, all the times when I was a kid, we used to have to, when we first moved down here, Dad was still hunting where he hunted, you know, when, up in Arkansas. So we would drive that from here. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about having to leave out of here at 2.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a long drive. Well, I would get car sick every time I went hunting. And so we'd stop what is now the honey hole. It used to be a little 7-Eleven. Oh, I remember. We would stop there to get some snacks. I would go out behind the 7-Eleven and throw up. Yeah. But I never would tell Dad because I didn't want to get weeded out. Oh, you wow. Know, I, so I never said well, a word. Well, I let me tell it. you how that situation evolved as you got older. So, yep, I threw up in the, in the car, in the truck, whatever we were in. So then Phil would be like, get in the back in case you got to throw up. You know, back then you could ride in the back of the truck. Right. <laughs> it was okay. Right. It was acceptable. Wear, wear a jacket. Yeah. So I just, actually, I, I didn't get as sick in the back. Oh, it was with better with open yeah. air. So I was happy. With I it. rode the back of a truck from Louisiana to Missouri when I was a kid, all the way. Really? I think it's In actually fact, yeah. illegal now. Oh, I'm sure it is. Probably some form of child oh, abuse. Oh, that, it's, you know, and everybody gets so bent out of shape. Like, even just my kids are like, you don't even go to the driveway without having the the seats. The Everybody's got to be locked down, buttoned down tight. I mean, I'm all for safety. And I'm for safety, but at the but, same time, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to Jace's house. <laughs> I mean, it's like, well, we really think. need the full multi- I mean, look, mm-hmm. I'm... I would say I rode as much in the back of a truck as a kid as I did inside. Oh, much more. Yeah. Or on the mom had a mom had an old Ford with a big old back deck almost under the back window. It had a enough where a kid could lay on it. So right, if we weren't anywhere right. at night, I would lay back there watching the stars. You know, it was it was a big time. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. We didn't have a lot of entertainment. We were, <laughs> the bar was low. The bar was low. <laughs> let's, ta- let's take a break. So there's a lot of uh, free speech issues that are going on, not just here. Canada's had some crazy stuff. The truckers up there, they've been in the capital city. Uh, It's a crazy time that we're living in. And uh, we know that there are a lot of folks out there that like to silence other people or cancel them. Dad's written a book about it called Uncancel. One of our sponsors is a company called Patriot Mobile. And so what they want to do is help you have cell phone coverage that is provided by a company that has a lot of the same values that you have. Uh, they support the causes that we support, whether it's religious freedom, constitutional rights, of course, sanctity of life. They're also really great uh, at providing discounts and helping veterans and first responders. So it's a great company, exceptional customer support. So check them out. They might be worth you switching over to patriotmobile.com phil. Or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. You're going to get a free activation when you use the offer code Phil. Now, And as I mentioned, they've got special discounts for veterans and first responders. So support a company that loves America, loves you, and shares your values. PatriotMobile.com slash Phil. So, Phyllis, so I want you to... So you did your first... Um, testimony speech i did uh kind of 
since you've uh, found out who your who your family is. And uh, so I want to talk about that and uh, kind of give your perspective on how you think it went. Because you spoke and you were in Missouri? Right? Kansas. Kansas. Were you nervous? I was nervous. That's <laughs> okay to be nervous. Tony and I have done, you know, we've spoken at churches for missions work, yeah. um, especially for Nicaragua, but other countries we've done short-term trips. And usually he takes the lead on all of that, but I'm there and I've spoken some. But this was me by myself in a church their Sunday morning, two services. Oh, wow. Were you wearing camo? I, I was not. <laughs> good, I wore camo. I just, I just asked that rambling. Sometimes that? they ask for camo. You know, yeah. if you wear your yeah. camo. That, like, that yeah, didn't sure. come up. Um, I wore camo the day before because I hunted with them and uh, was that. at their banquet. So tell kind of the whole genesis of the weekend because it was a really interesting story. It was so much fun. Uh, one of the organizers of an organization, a ministry called Hunters with Mission, they support an uh, orphanage in India. They contacted Tony to see if he would be interested in donating the wood duck print that he painted for Miss Kay uh, to their raffle banquet that they have every year. And they use that money to send uh, directly to India. And he said, sure, I'd, I'd love to send you that. And he, cause he talked to me about it. And he's like, these folks are doing this mission work and they do it with a, a waterfowl derby. They hunt geese and ducks. Huh. I said, so they have combined hunting and missions like, I'm in on that. That sounds yeah. great. So we happily, you know, said we'd, you know, send that duck print to him for the raffle. And the guy said, you know, hey, we'd love to have you all if you want to come up here. And do you want to hunt? And Tony isn't much of a duck hunter. He, he thinks he might be more into it maybe next year. Um, he's a, some people are just observers. I think he's been sitting back and observing. But he's after this, you know, this weekend there, he was like, this is a blast. I might enjoy it. Yeah. So we said, yeah, you know, we'd love to hunt. Phyllis will hunt. So they put me on a team because it's two, teams of two or three and you go out and you hunt. Um, and then he called back and, and said, well, you know, you're donating this wood duck print and you're going to come up here and hunt with us. Would you be interested, Phyllis, in speaking at our Sunday morning service? Mm. Ooh, I'm like, OK, that's getting out of my comfort zone, but, yeah. you know, I'll do it, you know. Okay. And then he called back later and said, I forgot to tell you, it's two services. Yeah. <laughs> I was oh, like, boy. whoa, I'm really out of my comfort zone. But we went up there, and uh, it was wonderful. The organizers were amazing. Um, the, the people that worked with us the most to get us there, Chris and Carrie Alexander, they are faithful podcast watchers. That Every every time a podcast, Unashamed podcast comes out, they're listening. It's part of their, uh, just part of their daily devotion that they do. Yeah. And I uh, them, Now I call them Notification Nation because ah. I didn't realize that people were being notified every time a new podcast dropped. But I kept talking to people, and they said, you know, I got the notification. I was like... So you're going to have to explain to me what that means. And so they did. And I was like, oh, I get it. So, mm-hmm. but, And they usually just stop whatever they're doing. And, you know, the hardcore, they're, they're watching. Yeah. yeah. There's a family there, the Bayless family. They started this. The mom and dad Bayless went to India and went to this orphanage and saw the great need that they had. And so they started out of their church. I think it's Lone Cherry Baptist. Uh, they're in Independence, Kansas. They started this waterfowl derby. And it grew so much so quickly that they ha- they asked one of the organizers, hey, can we have it at your church? So it was at the first church of the Nazarene in Independence, Kansas. It was packed. So we had a great day hunting. And then we went to the banquet that night and they did the raffle. They raised, I think, almost or right at $27,000 to send to India through this. Yeah, right. Great time. And then the next morning, Sunday morning, um, I spoke at the two services and I, I was nervous. You know, I've never done anything like that. So I, I put together cool. my testimony and yeah, yeah. shared it with them. Well, you sent your notes uh, to me and Lisa, and we looked over them. But, I mean, it was great. It, I had nothing to add. I thought you laid it out 
beautifully. And I thought it was interesting because you had a couple of funnies there to get things going. You, mm-hmm. One time you walked out of your waiters or something. I don't know. That yeah. was, I didn't, yeah, I didn't get to hear the story, the but it was pretty Just funny. Just like when you get stuck, like if your boots don't fit properly and you get out in the mud and you're not used to walking in the mud, you can mm-hmm. literally... It's like a broken ankle is how I describe it. Well, they, well, Jay told me, he's, he's like, oh, you're going duck hunting. Um, we've got some, I'm like, well, what about waders? And there, there's not a lot of girl hunting clothes out there that are shaped oh, really? for women. No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weak market, I think. And more and more women are hunting. So well, maybe that's where you need to move to from your art venture. <laughs> Another. It means yeah. hunting Women's apparel. hunting gear. You know, yeah. I would definitely be open to seeing what there could be, you know, what could be done there. Because it's, I, I'm, I follow some women's hunting groups. And it's yeah. the number one issue that comes up with women who hunt is mm-hmm. finding waders and other hunting equipment camo that works for them. So yeah. um, they said, uh, Stone said, hey, I'll just give you Uncle Size waders. He had the smallest feet. So that's what I wore last year. Oh, that so was big... a bold move. <laughs> right? There. I usually don't borrow anything from Size. No. They were new. <laughs> <Okay>. They were new. <laughs> you, you run up on issues because we usually don't take women duck hunting. Very few through the years, but... When you finally do get a woman, in this case, my daughter, you're like, you said, well, what happens when they need to take a leak? Because <laughs> men, you know, whatever, they just, you know, pee out the back well, door. But, and but even that term is so a log, masculine. There's a log <laughs> out there behind you about 20 yards. Get out there on the end of that log. It'll hold you up. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, have you ever used the term "take a leap" before you came to, to be into our family? I, I, I don't personally use that terminology, but you know, hey, whatever works. Of course, for you. It, it's funny because I remember when Phyllis was prepping about hunting. That was one of her big questions. She was like, "Yeah, because you know, Phyllis, I asked well, that is a legitimate. Yeah, question. she's like, what do you do when you have to go buy them?'" I said, mm-hmm. "Oh, it's a it's a problem." Yeah. Well, and here it's you're a problem surrounded for me by... too because you drink a lot of coffee and stuff, and you get oh, wedged yeah. into these little small blinds. It's like, all right, everybody's just got to clear a path because I got to go. Right. Well, it's, it's surrounded by water. Um, I dehydrate myself. Like that's one uh, <laughs> yeah. tactic. Is you know the water stops the night before, and there's not a lot of water, and I sip coffee judiciously after <laughs> a couple hours into the hunt because <laughs> no, I don't want I've that done, problem i've done charity hunts before and uh, even frog hunt adventures at night and uh some of the people have been all women and so i feel like a mom because i'm like okay look i know this is awkward but everyone needs to go to the restroom before we leave this dock <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> we're out here in the wild mm-hmm. and they're frogs this in the summertime yeah and, uh, you know, there's there's a critter mm-hmm. under every log. And I'm like, this is this has to be an emergency-only situation so everyone go to the bathroom. They're all looking at me like, go make yourself go right now. Right. They're, well, and that's the— I, When I, the waters around you are full of, you know, you're looking at them, cottonmouth Mexicans <laughs> and alligators, you, you tend to be kind of careful on where you decide to squat. <laughs> Yeah, this is true. You're giving us some graphic <laughs> analysis. I'm just saying. It's a lot of pictures and words yeah. today. We're gonna, so, but we never thought about it as men because obviously we don't have to like take everything off. It, it's much harder for women. Mm-hmm. But it, it, we talked about this before, even with waders and like I said, the water. You don't really have a dry ground. It's not a. It's not an easy. That's situation. why I'm in You've those women's adapt. hunting groups because well, they have well. great ideas. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And right. I don't mind talking about them i've told them what i have so what how i what my little 
technique is. So, but there yeah. there are ideas out there for women who enjoy the outdoors, not just hunting, but hiking and camping and all of that. that so you've been groups. through two hunting seasons now here, mm -hmm. and so do you feel like you're kind of catching up to the speed of it all and kind of the high. speed? <laughs> I am not fast. It's, By the time I realize there is a duck there. It's, it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it's I would say it's the number one thing when you're learning hunting because you're around people who are obviously experienced and the speed at which everything's happening. I mean, it, it's really like the equivalent of an NFL football game. That's right. I mean, you, you're like, oh, I played some flag football at my church league, and you go out there. I, I'm just from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing with ducks because most people, by the time – when they get up, it's over. Right. It's already right. happening because everyone else, the anticipation, they just they're functioning at a way faster speed. But you're well, right. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was. It was fun in Kansas because uh, one of the Bay the youngest Bayless son was there with us. Our our team. His wife, who's newer to duck hunting. So I felt like I, I wasn't in the company of you and, and others who just, you know, muscle memories right there. So I feel like I felt like I had a chance and I did shoot a goose. <laughs> oh really? Okay. I shot yeah. a pintail. Yeah. You know, okay. and they were definitely yeah, they had mine. A little bad. Well, your shooting has gotten better. I mean, we had to have some I I forgot when that all happened, but I remember one day I just had to say, I was like, Phyllis, son, let's stop. Let's time. We had a timeout. Time out. Shotgun. I don't think I shared this before, but, and I, I didn't want to embarrass you, but I was uh, like, you know what? You're my sister. Cause I think somebody said, shoot a duck. And, but you were so far off. I was like, this is, there's a technique that's off here. Mm -hmm. It was. And, uh, and you really, cause you really just didn't have your head looking right down that Mm -hmm. barrel matching the bead up to the duck. It was just some simple tips. And I'm not thin-skinned. Like, that doesn't bother me yeah. at all to, yeah. to receive positive reinforcement so criticism. You're, and you're good about asking. Mm -hmm. Let's take a break. So we have a new sponsor. I always love new sponsors, getting to talk about them. It's called Battle Box. And I've got the Battle Box right over here. And they've sent us a little more uh, for us to talk about than you would typically get in the mail. Uh, when you first sign up, but I, I took out one of their, um, things that they send. These are like outdoor, uh, survival camping. You know, if you, especially if you like to go and, and enjoy the outdoors, there's a lot of great stuff in there. And here's one, Jace. It's called a solo stove, hmm. which I thought was interesting. This would be great in the duck line. So you can, you know, heat your coffee on it. You can cook on it, cook you some soup, whatever. Uh, it's a way to be able to do that. So it's a great product. And what they do is they're going to send you a box uh, every month, and it's going to be about half the price if you had to buy all these things, you know, on your own. So it's a really good deal. And it's kind of, you know, like that excitement of showing up at your house. So from right now until March 31st, you get a free mystery box worth $115 or more with any subscription at trybattlebox.com slash Robertson. That's trybattlebox, B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X, dot com slash Robertson. So you're going to get that free box to get you going. Check them out, trybattlebox.com slash Robertson, and get ready to get a box every month. So you can fix yourself a cup of coffee with that in yeah, the blind. Yeah, get your fire right there. Ha! Huh.
you what, know, fire, that, well, I was going to say firearms are dangerous and they can be intimidating, and they should be. Mm-hmm. We should be They're nervous. dangerous, you yeah, know. for a reason. And the number one goal for a new hunter is should be safety because mm-hmm. there's a lot of rules that you've learned that are in place where you know nothing bad happens. Right. You never point your muzzle toward another human being for unloaded, loaded. You just never do it. You never have your finger on the trigger until you're. You know, fix to shoot the Don't dog. take your safety off unless you're about to pull the Exactly. It's like all that. in one, these kind of things. But the little things about, because a lot of people, they're intimidated of the gun, and subconsciously, they're trying to shoot it and have their head as far away from it as possible. <laughs> right. It's like a right. reflex to, oh, this is going to kick a little bit, and it's a combustible weapon. But you just have to get on in there and get your head down on the side. I tell people, you need your jaw to be sore a couple of times so you know you have your head yep. down on that gun. Because if you don't, you're not going to hit what you're aiming at. Well, the tips helped. I mean, I, I have gotten better. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm far yeah. from where I need to be. And and the the safety is important. I took a hunter's safety education. Exactly. How did I say Hunter's education safety course. So how here. about the, the – and you've, you've introduced to a, another world – when we get home and we decide whether we have duck fingers or duck gumbo or or baked duck coming. I, mean, mm. so, so, I love it so, all. So you were introduced to all that, the the consumption of of what I, we're harvesting. I really enjoy duck. Yep. Had yep. never had it. And I, we had I to reintroduce it. her to deer because like a lot of people, she had a bad experience young, somebody that didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. And so you get that I remember it too. I mean, I mean, you got all these deer processors. I don't ever remember that deer processors when I was it's growing up. It's a big up. thing now. It's a big thing now. So you got people that kind of learn what they're doing. Stone is aging the bigger deer. They age them for, you know, hang in a cooler for 28 days and they nice and tender, you know. And I mean, actually, you know, there's a growth that starts on them, but that's when they're ready, you know, you know, when they, when they begin to, you see the little blue on them. You say, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they're just as fine as you've ever put your mouth on, you know. Well, it's like a, you know, aged beef. Mm-hmm. Every time mm-hmm. I've ever had aged beef, it was delicious. So it's the exact same idea. Yeah, and our oldest son, awesome. Grant, apparently he and his wife have become amazing deer jerky makers. Yep. They are turning almost all of their deer into jerky, and people are asking for it. Yeah. Really good marinade and <clears throat> flavoring, so... Yeah, there's a guy I know that uh, up in Oklahoma that kills a lot of geese and you know a lot of ducks and a lot of deer, and they've been he's been turning everything into jerky and then he ships it overseas to our service members who are deployed, that's awesome, which is a great idea. Yeah, so it's a part of a whole group that's been doing great that, idea. So. Yeah, because I mean you know you're out there. I mean just one thing is you get something from home, and then yep. the other thing is you know it's really tasty and good. Very cool. A good way to eat that too. Mm-hmm. So, Phyllis, uh, you mentioned I, I was I had your notes, and I wanted you to tell the story. I, I'm not sure that we told it on the podcast before, but if we did, I think it's worth retelling. Um, you have it. You had it titled in your your presentation as the best worst Christmas gift ever. Mm-hmm. So, tell us about that. Re- tell that story because I thought it's pretty pretty amazing. I, I this is up... what you did early in your lesson. This kind of introduced you. Right. The whole idea of you being a Robertson. I wrote it as a blog and kind of referenced it for that testimony that I did. But Julie, uh, our oldest son, Grant's girlfriend at the time, now 
they're married. I'm about to have a grandbaby yeah, in less than a month. That's another adding to the grand, yeah, grandmother. Yeah, very state. excited. Yeah. Um, she bought him an ancestry DNA test so that he could see his uh, his like ethnicity. Uh, it was for fun, and when he got the results back, it didn't add up. And we looked, and we we're like, "Well, you know, why why does this not match what we've been told?" And I called my brother and said, "You know, what's up with this?" And he's pretty quick to get get right to it. He said, "Well, either what we've been told is not true, or Wayne, who we." always was my dad growing up who now I know is my stepdad. He said, he's not your real dad. And so, uh, I've had questions before and I'd even directly ask my mom, uh, you know, are you sure Wayne's my dad? They were separated at the time that I was conceived. So there were questions and I was different in some ways. You kind of always, <clears throat> the way you've described is you kind of always felt like something didn't quite connect, right? It's true. It's, you know? and I don't, you know, you just wonder how does that, how does a person know that? But I somehow knew that. And uh, so the results, uh, I, I finally did the test and results came back and that my sister had done the test and we compared and we were half siblings. And so, you know, when Grant saw all of this happening, he said, thanks, Julie, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've bought this gift and opened up a can of worms. Yeah, what a great present. Yeah. Oh, darn. It's both the best and worst yeah, Christmas so gift ever. It was ever. the best, worst Christmas gift ever because it ended up leading to me finding you and my, you know, newfound family. I, I don't like calling y'all new family. And now by now it's, it's not even new family, but newfound. Uh, and I talked about that in Kansas and uh, I've shared that it, it, there's a couple of things that just, kind of grieved me, uh, like having to be introduced to my family. I should never, you, a person shouldn't have to be introduced to their brother. Yeah. yeah. That, that shouldn't ever have to happen. And unless they're a newborn baby and right. you're two and they're like, here's your new baby brother. Right. right. That's normal. Right. But to, to tell a 40 something year old, Hey, this is your brother. This is, you know, these are one of his kids or, or whatever. That's just awkward, sad and yeah. awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's amazing because all the conversations that we've had about all the realizations now over the course of because now we're entering into our third year of knowing mm -hmm. this information and how you discover so many things you're a certain way you think a certain way mm -hmm. some of your physical problems like your scoliosis and mm -hmm. all, all that's t totally tied into our DNA mm -hmm. you know because we have other family like that so it must be kind of interesting in terms of just a discovery right it answered a lot of questions and made me feel better about myself in some ways things that I maybe thought were a negative or you know someone why you know you're so headstrong you're so this or that and then I get around a group of people with all very many similarities and I'm like hey I fit here and this is not so abnormal after all like yeah. I fit in somewhere and I could have lived my whole life saying, oh, that's, she's just a Robertson. Yeah, you looked at Jason, you said that I out and you said, boy, no wonder I'm headstrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. She turned into an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason's husband, he's the one that mom said, uh, he said he, she never got his humor his whole life. So that's why they clash so much. But they are. never got said. my humor? Yeah, that's what. I was only kidding. <laughs> she, she, she just doesn't interpret dry humor real well. Right. So my wife, she gets it. Yeah. I'm saying all this <laughs> nonsensical stuff all the time, and she chuckles and we move on. Maybe that's why we get along, despite our lack of hobbies together. <laughs> so uh, let's take a break. So uh, one of the things we've learned uh, in the last uh, two years is uh, you really need to be looking out for your health and your immune system. 
Uh, a strong immune system is always good to keep you healthy, but during the uh, pandemic and everything else that goes on, it's really important. And there's uh, one of our sponsors is a company called Z Stack, the letter Z Stack, and uh, they've got a they formulated this immune boosting supplement. It's got zinc, it's got quercetin, it's got vitamin C, it's got vitamin D, all the things that can really pump up your immune system. Uh, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, Jace, he was the renowned doctor uh, that uh, treated President Trump. He's the one that came up with this. So really good. Uh, it's uh, scientifically formulated. It's going to help supercharge your immune system, which is what you need. Uh, so you start taking it now ahead of anything. Don't wait till you get something. It, you take it to help you not get something. So I take this product. It's helping me. Flu ran through our bunch. I didn't get anything. And I think it's because of this product. So go to zstacklife.com slash unashamed today. Enter the promo code unashamed to get a small discount off your first order. That's zstacklife.com slash unashamed. Use the promo code unashamed. Build up that immune system. So you, uh, you shared the gospel. And you used the symbols mm-hmm. that we used. So t- tell us about how that how that went over with them. Well, for visual, I, I had a, a little bit of a, not really a full slideshow, but some visuals in the background. And the main one was the gospel symbols. And that was up there the entire time that I spoke. And I, I did share the gospel with everybody. I, I asked ahead of time if I could do that. I, I didn't know how they felt about a woman teaching or slash preaching mm-hmm. slash this was my testimony. But turns out that they they were completely open to me sharing any anything that was on my heart that God led me to do. So that was awesome. And I shared the gospel and, and referred back to the symbols. And the pastor just loved it at that church. And so at the end of the service, when he was wrapping it up and closing everything, he um, he talked about part of my story and how and part of what I talked about was identity in Christ and being, quote unquote, illegitimate. And, you know, and I told him I'm not illegitimate. I'm a daughter of the king. So my identity in Christ defines who I am first and for, foremost. So um, he brought he brought that back up and, and a call to action to say, hey, you can be a part of the kingdom of God, you know, answer this call of the gospel. Yeah. And so he had those symbols brought back up. Uh, on the screen. And so the next Sunday he used them again. And I, he even contacted White's Ferry Road to find out if there were any trademark or copyright, copyright issues. Uh, Cause they, they were I like, Hey, they're we're probably pretty open to letting that be used. I yeah. think so. Whether it's everywhere, whether it was or wasn't. The I symbols, know. just in case somebody stumbled up on this for the first time, I mean, you have an arrow pointing down, you have a cross, you have what looks like a tomb, Mm-hmm. You have the an, side of a hill. Well, yeah, yeah, there's variations of the tomb. And then you have the arrow pointing up, and then you have an arrow pointing down. It's very simple, profound, impactful, and they loved it. So they, they the next Sunday, he had them up. And then I had some, after that, the only thing I had were pictures, um, just family pictures, because we talked about how another thing that's sad, um, grievous, I guess you could say, is, you know, getting being here around around the family for the first time and um and going to people's houses seeing photos family photos of adventures and vacations and moments and all of those things are captured in photographs reality around, tv shows yeah reality tv show uh, and i'm looking and i'm like Musicals, you know books <laughs> records <laughs> it was kind of it kind of was everywhere yeah. especially at the lodge dvds yeah, DVD, yeah yeah but just eliminating all of that part of it just looking at you know 
weddings and those things. But, yeah. You know, I wasn't in any of those uh, photos. And I'm thinking that shouldn't be. That should never have happened to where you're just erased from the history of your entire family. And so what I did was I put photographs of memories that I am making now, you know, yeah. where I am in the photo. And I showed them that. And the last photo I used was the one with uh, with me and Alex, your youngest, and Pearl, her youngest, because there's some physical similarities and it was just DNA to say is it is. And, and I told them, and, and this was, this is just so cool. Um, Pearl being so young, will never know a life where aunt Phyllis wasn't part of it. That's right. Yeah, that's true. And it's so encouraging to me, you know, to know that, that now I am a part of things that are happening in the family, but these younger ones, they'll always know aunt Phyllis, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. really a, a great point. <clears throat> and I, I thought about that parable We've talked about it before in different contexts, but I never thought about it in this context. But the parable that Jesus talked about, where the you remember where the the workers get hired and they all come at different parts mm-hmm. of the day, and the ones who came in first got the same pay as the people who just came in the last hour, and they were kind of like upset because they're like, "Wait a minute, why should we get the same?" With the idea being is, whenever you get to the party, you're at the party. Mm-hmm. Was the kind of the big concept, and so I love that you've you've understood that. You could be bitter about that. You could be angry about right. that. You, could, you know, whose fault uh, is this? You yeah, could to your it. credit, you have a positive spin, and uh, there's some you know a church cheesy line about God takes our messes and turns them into His message. Mm-hmm. It's really true because you're helping people who have the same situation. Right. I mean, it's not like this first time this ever happened. And I the issues the text, that I talked oh. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, which is a great text to look at when you think about these things. Exactly. That's exactly what were you going to say? Uh, just that, you know, not everyone finds out that their, you know, biological dad is not who they thought. They certainly don't find out that he's a celebrity all of that is way above and beyond normal, but yeah. there are elements in my story that are, I hope, encouraging to, because the issues of forgiveness and identity in Christ and uh, not being judgmental, those mm-hmm. those types of things apply to so many people in so many different settings. So I feel like it speaks to a lot of people. Yeah, and I think some of the irony in just the situation, I mean, it just so happened, just so happened in quotation, that while we're doing the show, well, or I say the show was being aired. You're on doing mission work in Nicaragua, mm-hmm. oblivious to this. Cause, so you only yeah. heard about it as you're a not, drama, yeah. Mm-hmm. So thankfully you're not tainted because really the shock, I mean, I'm just going to put my viewer and listener hat on and the shock of you saying, looking at a picture, here's the cover from our little duck show, and you're like, this is your family. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think my response would be, you have got to be kidding me. There's <laughs> no way. Is this the Louisiana hillbillies? I mean, what what happened? It just because, you know, pretty rough look probably. Uh, you know, outward appearances, not important. Yeah. Haven't ever well, been. Haven't ever been. Saying. There's so, irony here. There's some irony in this. I do think most people would just would have that view on outward appearance and say, oh, oh, wait, there's been another mistake. This can't be happening. <laughs> let's, uh, let's take another break. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that, though, Phyllis. You, 
the way I describe it, uh, and I so in certain contexts of when I go speak, I like talking about you coming to the family and our relationship. And uh, the way I describe it is that God had to have had this like this hand of protection around you, you know, in your life because you know you had some tough times growing up, and so. I mean, describe why were you so drawn to the spiritual when really nobody else around you was? What do you think that, do you think that was something in your DNA? Was it something about your environment? I mean, because you would find churches as a little girl. Really interesting, yeah. That And just go on your own, right? Right. Them to pick you up or get within walking distance. So what, why was that pull there so much for you growing up? You know, I don't, I, it, this is my, this is my thought on it. Um, when... I was conceived in, during duck season, so early 75. Yep. You were converted in the summer of 75. That's correct. So I was still in the womb when you were converted. Hmm. So by the time I was born, you had begun to change your life and lead your family in a spiritual direction and attend church and Bible studies and practice hospitality and everything that came from that. And you were doing that as an example for your wife and your sons at the time and your household. Well, I think God said, Phyllis isn't physically in that household, but she is his daughter. Mm. And I think he honored that. I think there was a grace that just extended to me. Wow. Um, and, and there was just, there is no explanation. I wanted to go to church. I loved Jesus. I wanted more of that. And we did move a lot. I would call the church bus. I would walk to a nearby church. I would, you know, if I did have a family member in Missouri, I had a couple aunts that went to church. I'd go with them. Um, and I, I just always loved to go to church. I went to vacation Bible school um, when I was nine at a Baptist church in Quitman, just down the road from here. Uh, there was a, you know, a, a call to you know, answer the gospel. And I walked up there all by myself, age nine, and talked to the pastor of the church and shook his hand and he prayed with me the sinner's prayer. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I accepted Jesus as my savior at age nine Wow! and I grew up fast and I feel like that was legitimate. Um, I was nine going on 20 probably at the time. Cause you were running everything. I mm -hmm. was a precocious kid and definitely I felt like by then my brother and sister, um, had left the house. They, we, every one of us escaped the household as soon as we could cause it was so dysfunctional. And by then they had left, and so I was I was the adult in the room pretty much everywhere I was with my <laughs> tell with my tell family. the story about the when you <clears throat> opened your first bank account. <laughs> I love that story. So uh, so my stepdad had had a traumatic brain injury from a drunk driving accident before I was born, and so he was always you know brain injured and had some issues there, and he eventually got on disability. And when you're a minor child of a of a person who has a disability and they get a check, you get a check for your minor dependent. And so he got that check in his name and it says to his name for Phyllis, you know. So he gave it to me and because he, he knew how adultish I was, I was age 12. <laughs> he said, here's your, here's your check. This is for you. This is to take care of you. I said, okay. So I went down to the bank and opened a checking account and, and gave it to the banker. <laughs> At 12. <laughs> I said, I need to make sure this check gets deposited in this account, you know, every month. And so he said, okay, but Phyllis, you're going to have to have your daddy come down here and sign this. And I'm like, why do I need my dad to come down and sign this bank account? That's my money, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I can open this account just fine. Thank you very much. And he's like, well, you're 12. <laughs> So he came down and he signed off on it. But um, at that point, I had a checkbook 
and uh, financial freedom. And uh, I started actually working when I was 11, just bussing tables at a restaurant that my my sister married into a family that owned a restaurant. So I I was cleaning tables, getting tips and kind of worked my way up. So I was working my little part time job, got that check every month and I moved out. But you were you were what that's what's so amazing. I mean, it, you were a godly girl. You weren't even a woman, even though you felt older. <clears throat> and yet where a lot of people would have used that the freedom independence you had to just run headlong into some sinful life or situation, you never did. I, mean, I didn't. You, and you love God and served him. I mean, I just find that incredible. Well, I've said before, you can use your, your upbringing or things, traumatic events that have happened to you as an excuse for bad behavior and bad choices, or you can use that as the reason why you choose to have a different life. And, and I knew for me, my personal testimony was stay in school, make good grades, and stay in church, have a relationship with God. If you, I, I knew, I'm like, if I can do those two things, I can overcome this dysfunction and poverty and have a different life. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I did. God's hand was on me. Yeah. And I, I do think that's one of the reasons why the transition um, of, of all of us living together and doing life together now mm-hmm. is, is as smooth as it has been because of our commitment to Christ. I mean, Jay says it all the time. He and Missy have nothing in common, or initially at least, but Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so how that made everything else work. And I, and I would say the same thing about us. Because, look, it's not easy. We're merging in not only you and Tony, but also your sons, their wives, which mm-hmm. is also addition to you. And so it's not always an easy or smooth transition, but it's been it's been great. I mean, just, you know, thinking about the alternatives of how difficult it, it could have been. It could have been. And credit to you and Lisa. I mean, seriously, you two have been instrumental in making sure that, you know, our transition here has gone smoothly. Right. You invite us to all your family get togethers and include us and in, in so much. And that has been a difference maker in living at the lodge next door to you and Miss Kay. You know, we, we can go down and have dinner, just visit, just stop in anytime. <clears throat> And that's been also very helpful. So that closeness, that proximity, and just being included. Well, it's funny because one of our one of our friends, uh, Joe Neal Kirby, who's a, you know, she's a, a PhD in marriage and family and all this, you know, counselor. And uh, she told Lisa and I <clears throat> before we met you in in person, but we had been talking, and of course, you know, they're they're some of our close friends. She said, she said, well, this is going to affect your dad. Your dad's going to be different um, with Phyllis than he was, has been with the guys, with the boys. And I was like, yeah, right. You know, I was like, dad's got one mode. You know, <laughs> that's it. <clears throat> so I spent all this time with you, like trying to prepare you that of how dad is, you know, look, don't expect to. Him to, to be compassionate or super touchy feely. I go through this whole thing. The first time Dad meets you, I mean, it's like he was he was totally drawn in that you were different, and so I was completely wrong. She was right mm-hmm. because I think it has I been. I put a her face in my hands and I looked into her eyes, and I said, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's even when I saw the picture back when yeah. we were doing the podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was a letter. By the way, we, we discovered your letter on the set of Unashamed Podcast. Well, yeah, it was after the podcast. <laughs> it was like, in, in your bedroom now. Like, <laughs> the other give this wow. Deal, and you were looking through it. I was reading it, and I was like, ah, this When he won't. turned that picture, I said, you need to look into that. There was something. I, I felt the same thing. Jace was like, because I was uh, like, 
Because I read seventy five, and you I mean, mentioned. In your defense, Al, it 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 we get a lot. I mean, we had had a lot of this <laughs> stuff. We, we get a lot of letters, not yeah. like your I, letter. I didn't but, know, you know, and I wouldn't have known. I didn't even know that. You got a lot of crazy yeah. stuff, and so I just was glancing at it. And when I saw seventy five, I thought, well, there's no way because Dad became a Christian seventy five. Well, seventy five is twelve months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I was born at the end of it. <laughs> and, and Remember, exactly I was right. like. Well, you know, Chase was maybe. more like, I, maybe, I don't know. But sure. when I saw the picture, I said, you need to stop what you're doing and look into that. Yeah, I, right. I, I was real adamant because there was just something about it that kind of made me stop in my tracks. But you mentioned Missy and I. But, you know, when you read 2 Corinthians 5, because I keep going back to that in our study, what God does is he gives us reconcilable differences. Yes. Which is the exact opposite of the way the world functions because they mean, say we're, we're going to divorce over irreconcilable differences. yeah we missy and i have none of those they're all reconcilable and uh it's a good point which i think is our because of our foundation i mean we love the lord first and we love each other and i think we have a dynamic marriage but just from people that observe us they're like how in the world are these two people getting along because i'm telling you all the little stuff we cannot be further apart but they're reconcilable differences and i think it's challenging and it's interesting it makes it adventurous and i actually enjoy hearing all these things that i've never heard about before and she's telling me what she did i'm like why would another human being do those things? But she seems to enjoy them. Which is why Missy is one of my favorite guests on our podcast, because Jace just squirms all the time. And, it, and <laughs> yeah. it takes me back to my childhood of enjoying Jay squirming, so it's like it's a very nostalgic thing. Well, because I never have any idea what she's fixed to come up with next. <laughs> she makes you nervous. Which makes, really great. makes me a little nervous. That's why I buried her. All right, we're out of time. <clears throat> we're about to go to the overtime, and so... I just thought what I wanted to talk about on the overtime. We've been talking about second, I mean, First Corinthians eleven. So I, I want to get your take uh, as a woman uh, on that passage, and especially growing up uh, as you did. So in our overtime segment, we're going to do that uh, with Phyllis. So thanks for listening today. That's a new shirt we need. Reconcilable difference. <coughs> That's good. That is good. That's a good perspective. Give me Excellent. my check and my shirt. <coughs> thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.